Hey, everybody. This is Heidi St. John. Thank you for joining me today at Off the Bench with Heidi St. John. I'm so thankful that you guys are here. Uh, Today, I've got a very, very important podcast for you. And we're going to ask that you share this far and wide. You use your social media accounts that you uh, help us get out the information that it needs to be heard for this time in the history of our nation. Uh, Today and tomorrow, I'll be airing an interview, which you guys are going to hear in just a second with Dr. Simone Gold. She is the founder of America's Frontline Doctors and the author of a brand new book called I Do Not Consent. You guys, this is going to be an hour that you're not going to want to miss. Stick around. I think you're going to be encouraged. So thanks for tuning in today, you guys. I want to remind you, uh, obviously, today being Thursday and tomorrow being Friday, this means that we've, we're starting a brand new week of the Bible study at Mom Strong International going through the book of Revelation. And uh, I told you guys last week, I'm waking up every morning going, look what chapter of Revelation we're doing today. So there's a lot of stuff going on. Uh, you guys are going to want to check it out, momstronginternational.com. Also wanted to let you guys know that I will be speaking for uh, and Ham at Answers for Women at the Answers for Women conference. Uh, that is coming up in the spring, Lord willing. And so I want you guys to to uh, make sure you get it on your calendar. That is happening. On, early bird registration is actually ending on November 30th. So the early bird registration rate is 129 bucks. And you can get that before... November 30th. So check it out, answersingenesis.com. And uh, you're going to want to come to the Answers for Women conference. We're focusing this year on truth, which is what's in the crosshair. So that is happening March 19th and 20th. And if you want to join me there, which I know you're going to want to, uh, you're going to want to get in on the early bird registration rate. So check it out at answersingenesis.org. I will link back to that in the show notes today. All right, you guys, I uh, you know that I've been following America's Frontline Doctors since the very beginning, since they basically uh, exploded onto the American scene and to the culture here. And I saw this brown haired, bold, you know, woman. And I thought, I want to be just like her when I grow up. Oh my goodness. Here's this woman risking her career, risking her reputation because she cares about freedom and she cares about the truth. And if you're listening to this, you should care about the truth. Dr. Simone Gold is on the show with me today. She is the founder of America's Frontline Doctors. She's also a board certified emergency physician, having graduated from Chicago Medical School before attending Stanford University Law School to earn her Juris Doctorate degree. Uh, She completed her residency in emergency medicine at Stony Brook University Hospital in New York and then has worked in Washington, D.C. for the Surgeon General as well as the Chairman of Labor and Human Resources. Uh, She works as an emergency physician on the front lines currently, and I'm so thankful that she here. Dr. Gold, welcome to the show. Thank you, Heidi. So happy to be here. So you you have an amazing story and I'm going to jump right into it because I think people have been watching what you've been doing now for a while and uh, amazed at your boldness. You've been censored. You've been deplatformed. They took your URL away from you. Uh, and what we're seeing happening really is just an assault on truth. So I'm going to jump right in and, and let you just give uh, a, a brief history, kind of how long you've been practicing medicine, because obviously you care about this topic very much. So uh, talk to us about how long you've been uh, practicing medicine before the Rona. 
Yes. So I've been a board certified emergency physician for more than 20 years. And my father was a doctor. So I've really been involved with medicine all my life. I used to go on house calls with him. We had an office in our home. It was always understood in my family that I would be a physician. So it's a, a completely who I am through and through. When the Wuhan virus was first, um, you know, hit the scene, I was following it closely because I'm also very interested in policy. I'm a person who was attracted to going to law school and learning the law as well. And I was very encouraged by some of the scientific data out from China and France showing that there was medication that would work. And as I progressed along the, you know, the SARS-CoV-2 path, I was being met with tremendous obstruction by my peers and by politicians for using medication. And this was so bothersome to me as a physician and as a person interested in policy. That's why I started to, to get more active politically, was having so many years in medicine and seeing that our reaction to SARS-CoV-2 was completely unique compared to our reaction to prior epidemics. I've been through many epidemics. Yeah. And when, and you have an awesome book, everybody, I will link back to it in the show notes today. You're going to want to pick it up. It's called I Do Not Consent. And uh, I downloaded this book and I've just not been able to stop reading it. One of the things I noticed immediately was that you had an opportunity. The first patient that you treated uh, that came in uh, with uh, COVID-19, you thought, I'm going to try, uh, I'm going to try a treatment and see if it works. Well, tell everybody what you tried. And then I, I really want you to to launch right into what was the response that you got from your supervisors, from people in the medical community around you? Right. So I, when it says I wanted to try treatment, I wanted to try treatment that had already been vetted and shown to work in thousands of other cases. So when the president mentioned that he happened to feel good about it, referring to hydroxychloroquine, that was in response to papers from China and papers from France, scientific papers showing that it worked. By the time I was able to use it in April in California, when we finally got the rapid COVID testing, there had already been thousands of cases showing it at work, Professor, uh, Dr. Zelenko, Professor Raul. So when I had the first patient in front of me, he was short of breath, low fever, um, mildly decreased pulse oxygenation. In other words, she was sick, but not so sick she needed to be hospitalized. She was the perfect candidate to use it. And honestly, I didn't think twice about it. I used the hydroxychloroquine and zinc. Um, I found out within 24 hours, less really, she was much improved. But what happened next was stunning. My medical director had had a serious problem with my using this medication. And here's the funny part. He didn't really care about the medication. It was at the insurance company, the, the largest consortium in the country, that put pressure on the hospital to put pressure on me not to prescribe this drug because they didn't cover it which is so ironic because it's very, very cheap. But they had made a political decision not to cover this ordinary drug during SARS-CoV-2, even though they cover this drug for malaria, for rheumatoid arthritis, and lupus. I was being told by my medical director absolutely not to do it. And I said to him, why would you be involved in these decisions? Like, we don't get involved in each other's medical decisions. You know, we talk to each other, but you do medicine your way. I do medicine my way. Why do you care? And he said, well, because the hospital's pressuring him. It was amazing to me. At the same time, the governors of various states were putting rules in place, blocking physicians, specifically the governor of California, which was not the worst, said that if I were to prescribe, me and all other doctors were to prescribe hydroxychloroquine for SARS-CoV-2 patients, that could be deemed unprofessional conduct, which is a direct threat on my license. I want you to know that California was not the worst. 
there were states that all but you know took away your license. There's been people brought up to the medical board. And what I want to stress is this has never happened in the practice of medicine ever. In other words, we have an FDA-approved medication. It happens to be approved for 65 years. It's been vetted by the FDA. It's been vetted by CDC, NIH, completely safe. It's been used billions of times worldwide. It's the most commonly used drug in India, which is the second most populous nation on the planet. It's, it's got no controversy. It's safer than Tylenol, Advil, or Motrin. It's over-the-counter in much of the world. It's only not over-the-counter here because there was no consumer demand for it. And all of a sudden, we're telling people that they can't be prescribed this? It was lunacy. And I didn't understand how everybody didn't understand it was lunacy. Well, and so, so let's, let's encapsulate this a little bit. You've got a potentially lethal virus that's spreading in California, and you've just treated a patient with a common, safe, effective drug, and she got better. And so you, I mean, I'm reading your book. You said you expected to get kudos, but you were met with hostility. What do you attribute that to? It sounds to me like it's money. It's greed. Well, the first thing I want to say is, um, because a lot of people ask me if it was political, in my particular situation, it actually was not political. And I think that's more universal than people want to let on, which is actually very, very depressing. There's certainly people who uh, treat hydroxychloroquine as an extension of Donald Trump. And if they don't like Donald Trump, they don't like hydroxychloroquine. That's certainly true. But there's most doctors out there that are just following the leader. It's like, I can't even describe it. It's, you know, the leader says, go, you go. The leader says, stop, you stop. So they're saying and parroting whatever the CDC says or whatever the FDA says. And that was stunning to me as a physician because I expect doctors to be a cut above, you know, people I might find on social media and they weren't. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No. And it seems to be, that's, that's con- continuing, right? You know, we thought this was going to get better. We thought, oh, you know, the lockdowns, it, you know, uh, 15 days to flatten the curve or whatever it is. And now we're going on nine months of this thing. Uh, what do you make of it? So I know at the, at the beginning, so before you guys came onto the scene and we're going to, we're going to get to that because I want to know what motivated you to do that. Uh, we're listening to the news like everybody else. Right. And so at the very beginning of this thing, and we did the lockdowns. Nobody knew what was going on. But eventually you start to understand, okay, we're not seeing 20,000 people out in body bags in, in front of our, our uh, you know, in front of the streets every single day. It doesn't seem to be as bad. And then beginning, they said, don't wear the mask. I remember watching the news, watching a physician. On, I think it was Good Morning America back when I still trusted the morning shows, which now I don't at all, uh, saying, please stop buying the masks. You guys don't need them. They actually don't prevent the spread of viruses. Why now are we being told that we have to have a mask on our face, that a mask prevents the spread of a virus when in the very beginning they were saying, no, masks don't work for that. What's what's your take on that? Yeah. When people ask me um, why I wouldn't follow Dr. Fauci's advocating for the mask, I laugh and I say, when exactly did he say that? Because surely he didn't say that all of his career, including through March. And I think it was even, I'm not sure if it was April, but definitely through March, Fauci was very, very clear on national television saying that viruses do not, are not blocked by a surgical mask. Let me give your audience some facts. The pore size in a surgical mask is between 20 and 100 microns. The size of the virus, this RNA virus is 0.1 microns. That is 200 to 1,000 times smaller than the pore size in a mask. The mask works against the virus the same way a chain link fence works against a mosquito. It's irrelevant. Now, 
to be completely educated so that you're not hijacked by people who want to argue with you. It is true that the mask keeps out respiratory droplets. So if somebody has COVID and they're exhaling, um, you know, they, they will exhale some respiratory droplets, which would be blocked by the surgical mask. But what won't be blocked are the billions of other viruses that are just streaming out through the mm-hmm. mask, around the mask. That's the point. It's wholly irrelevant. One of the things I teach people in my book is how to recognize propaganda in real time. Because people feel I'm at this advantage for being a doctor. And I want to say I'm at some advantage, but if that was really the case, all doctors would have joined me. The big advantage is not being a doctor. The big advantage is using some critical thinking skills to see propaganda in real time. One of the most important things you can do is look at the information that existed prior to the alleged controversy. What did the science say about the usefulness of masks against viruses before March 2020? And go with that. It was universal that masks do not keep out RNA viruses, period. Wow. And so really, we're doing, uh, I was talking to Dr. Urso about this last week, and he said something genius. And I know you're going to, you're going to be like, that's right. He said the propaganda around this is amazing. uh, I was in, where was I? I was speaking a couple weeks ago in Nashville checking into the hotel and it's like it's like a, I call it the zombie apocalypse right people walking around with masks on there's you have to stand on the on the dot on the on the ground there's plexiglass everywhere it's devastating what this is doing to human relationships absolutely devastating and there's a big sign at the front of the hotel that says i wear my mask for you you wear your mask for me what kind of garbage propaganda is that okay my god you and i are destined to be best friends heidi so <laughs> That is, see, you're very much recognizing the real agenda. It didn't work when they said people should wear masks for themselves. I think people kind of intuitively understood it was nonsense because if it really worked, our grandparents would have discovered this and our grandmothers would have told us, right? We've always known you could yep. have a cold, which coronavirus is a type, it, the, the common cold is also a coronavirus. So they came up with a different marketing slogan, which is I wear my mask for you, you wear your mask for me. Now let's follow that out like a chess game. What are the what does that look like five or ten steps down the road? This is saying you should do something for other people. All right. Well, then I ask you, what is the qualitative difference between wearing a mask for someone else and let's say hmm, giving someone else your kidney? I've got two good ones. He doesn't have any good ones. Why don't you give me your good one? You don't need both. Mm-hmm. It's the logical endpoint. It's just a gradation. That's not how human beings function. And no. it's, it's causing mask shaming and mask virtue signaling. It's destroying American culture. Yep, it absolutely is. And I've been telling people for months now, I mean, I started smelling a rat about this thing about probably the, the 10th of April, right around there. And I started calling it the Rona because, you know, I've got three kids still at home of my seven and I noticed fear, especially in my uh, in my little one, my youngest one, who's almost 10. And I started calling it the Rona because I didn't want her to be afraid. So she was like, mom, you know, they're telling us that, you know, people are dying. She's here. So I turned off the news and I started going, she goes, how do we know where the virus is? So I said, oh no, Rona, that you? And I started chasing Rona all over the house. Like, where's the Rona? Where's the Rona? They're scaring our children to death. And something we've noticed too. And uh, another thing I've been saying, I'd love to hear your thoughts on this. I think we've discovered something about the American psyche actually this is worldwide, right? Very easy to scare people, very hard to unscare them. So how do we 
unscare them when you've got Joe Biden potentially over oh, the love becoming uh, the illegitimate president of the United States. How do you and he's saying first thing he's going to do. Did you see this on his Twitter feed, Simone? Uh, he said the first thing he's going to do is make a federal a federal mask mandate. So you, you've said you've said a lot of things here. The first most important thing is that the easiest way to control people is through fear. Our founding fathers knew this. There were epidemics long before 2020. Mm-hmm. Young, you know, yellow fever, dengue fever. There was something called the um, 1730s influenza epidemic of the 13 colonies. So our founding fathers knew about this, and they wrote the Bill of Rights anyway. Epidemics are the best way to control people. Better than war. Better than natural disaster because it's silent, it's stealth, it makes people feel helpless, makes people dependent on experts. Because of all of those reasons, we have a Bill of Rights. Now, the most important antidote to fear is education and knowledge. AmericasFrontlineDoctors.com really has educational videos on all of this. Um, If I can just say one more thing, though, specifically about the masks, you know, the mask thing is really a problem. The science doesn't support it. The New England Journal of Medicine acknowledged that the science isn't there, but that it said, quote, expanding masking protocols, greatest contribution is to reduce the transmission of anxiety. That's per the New England Journal of Medicine. Now, we've never had, there's never, as far as I know, there's never been a society that has mandated clothing for scientific reason. Cultures always, they'll do it for cultural reasons or religious reasons, but we've never pretended it's a scientific reason. And the reason this is such a, a flashpoint amongst Americans is it, it's a it's a turning point with whether or not you're a free human being who has consented to be governed, but is not consented to be ruled. We don't consent to a masked America because that's a fundamental change in American society, culture, norms and rights. And this is going to be a huge problem. You know, I think this is going to have to come from the people mm-hmm. the people to comply. I don't mm-hmm. think coming from the top down. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I agree. Well, and I think because our leaders are cowards. I mean, we're discovering this, right? Our leaders are cowards and uh, we're and are unwilling to really stand up and stand in the gap for ordinary Americans. Now, ordinary Americans can have to grow a backbone, which frankly, we're not used to doing. We're not used to it. We're not fighters by nature. We didn't grow up in World War One, World War Two. We weren't around for the Nazi uh, occupation of Holland and, and uh, Germany. We weren't around for any of that stuff. And yet we're watching it creep into our country right now. So what do you say to the mom? So the mom who wants to go to Costco, have you seen Costco's new thing? Let me let me tell you exactly what the moms and families should do. First of all, as nice, polite people, we don't like to be confrontational and we don't want to do anything if it's wrong, right? So I think it's twice as important for people who understand constitutional freedom to be educated because then they will be self-empowered to be stronger than they maybe are naturally. Mm. So, for example, here's some data how you know the masks don't work. If you put a mask on, you walk by somebody who's smoking a cigarette. Can you smell the cigarette smoke? Everybody knows they can still smell the cigarette smoke. Well, the particles in the cigarette smoke are much larger than the 0.1 size of the micron size of the virus. That's the kind of information I bring people on AmericasFrontlineDoctors.com. So before the mom and the parents or the teenagers can fight for themselves, if you're not naturally oriented towards fighting, you must be armed with actual information. It will embolden you to stand strong in your constitutional freedom. I love that. Uh, we're we're wondering, too, I, I noticed this just came out yesterday, 
that Costco is like doubling down, like hardcore going for their mask thing. And starting on, I think it's Thursday, maybe today, they're saying, and you can't, they will not let you in. Like before they were saying it, now they're like, you. it doesn't matter if you have a medical uh, exemption, doesn't matter. They're not going to let you into their store. Like you're going to be denied getting groceries at these places. Do we just stop going? Do we try to fight it? What do we do? You know, it's, 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 it's incredibly, (laughs) it's incredibly difficult as a lawyer. I can tell you that there's differences between the government's mandating things and private businesses mandating things. I know you know this. It's Mm -hmm. better to give your business to companies that don't interfere with your constitutional rights. However, not everybody has that opportunity Mm -hmm. to the extent you can not frequent businesses that are taking away your constitutional rights. You should do that. What does that mean in the real world? If it means spending 10 or 20% more, you should do it. If it means you can't get your groceries any other way, obviously you don't do it. Mm-hmm. But if you can fight it, you must fight it. Also, if you must put the mask on, you can take it off while you're, while you're walking, right? Then they can come up to you and you can put it back on. They can spend all day doing this with you. You understand you can do it nicely. You could do it with a smile. You don't have to be obnoxious about it, but they can't have the manpower to do it. The reason it's important to walk around without a mask or the mask lowered is first of all, you're strengthening your own commitment to freedom and your own sense of removing the fear from yourself. The other reason, the second reason is you are role modeling freedom for other people. Mm. Not only is this important politically, there are people who are actually afraid and they may need to see a naked face a hundred times before they stop being afraid, like the Mm -hmm. children or the teenagers. You know, they don't know what to think. And the third is it puts political opposition on notice that they actually have a fight on their hand. For those reasons, if you must put it on to get in the store, lower it, make them come up and keep asking you. And the second you pay, take it off. Mm -hmm. I love that. And I did this. uh, I haven't gone to Costco forever. And actually, since they just announced this new thing, I think what I'm going to do, I mean, tell me about this, Simone. What do you think? I actually am going to go to Costco and try to talk to the store manager. I want to talk to these guys. I want to walk in and say, just so you know, here are the facts. Uh, do you advise people who feel like they can do that to do it? I think it's important for for local leaders to understand that what they're saying is not universally acceptable. So the answer is yes. However, nothing will change because mm-hmm. coming from a corporate headquarters. That's right. However, it is important that they know that there's local resistance. That somebody should do that. Everyone else should wear the mask as little as possible, comply as little as possible. When you decide to go in nicely and talk to your local, for example, Costco leader, go to my website. I have all the information done for you. There's a six page summary of mask non-science. It's there. You know, all of all the famous medical journals are quoted. You don't have to do it. You just have to download it, print it. I love that. And show up with it. I love that. It's so important. And when you uh, when you talk about uh, education, I love that you've actually said you guys need to be educated and I've done the work for you. So we don't have to spend hours and hours and hours on Google trying to figure it out. You've already done it, which I think is amazing. So you guys want that information. It's at America's Frontline Doctors. And speaking of America's Frontline Doctors, uh, Dr. Gold, this is why everyone knows who you are. You guys exploded onto the scene made such a, a fuss and people like me, I mean, I was, I'm listening to you guys in real time. And I was like, my, I was telling my husband, like, you got to get in here and watch. Somebody's telling the truth. Oh, thank God. Somebody is telling the truth. Why did you decide? Cause you had to have risked everything to do this. 
Why did you decide to fly all the way to Washington, D.C. with a bunch of doctors in white coats so we all know you guys are doctors and risk your career, your reputation? What motivated you to start America's Frontline Doctors? Honestly, it, it was two things. It was being told that I couldn't treat a patient in front of me and being told by the politicians that I could potentially lose my license. It was so intolerable. Both of those were so intolerable to me as a physician that I started looking for other physician allies. I discovered them online. The most brilliant, most compassionate, most wise doctors in, that I've encountered in my career, actually. There's a lot of them. People who are on the other side, I try to say to them, you know, you have to wonder at all of these doctors that are putting in volunteer time and volunteer money and hours about something they feel so passionate about. You need to at least look at this. So we just have to. We, we are so upset at seeing the American public being fooled. And we have the knowledge to help everyone be unfooled. So we had to do it. It was just not even a question. So when you did it and, uh, and it was on the news, it was everywhere. I mean, yeah. it was everywhere. You guys were on Fox. You were everywhere. What happened? Yeah. So my vision was to bring physicians together with social media influencers. I didn't make any attempt to get mainstream news. I didn't care. Smart. I just all these different social media influencers to pick it up. So we did seven hours of educational videos on kids, nursing home patients, lockdowns, masks, do treatments work, just on everything. It was, it was really, you know, what the numbers are in other countries. I mean, it's just fascinating stuff. And in the middle, we did a lunch break and we walked over to the Supreme Court to do a press conference. That ended up going viral 20 million views in six to eight hours. I'm told it's the most viral video for the duration of time it was up. Mm-hmm. And it was tweeted, retweeted by the president, the president's son, et cetera. And then it was promptly deplatformed by all social media, all of them within each other within one hour. Obviously, there's collusion. And then for me personally, my world kind of exploded, you know? Yeah, <laughs> I can imagine. But when people ask me, like, why did I do this? Why did I risk everything? You have to understand, I would do it anyway now knowing, but I had no idea what was coming. I had no idea that I would be fired. I mean, this is lunacy to me. It's absolute lunacy. It's lunacy. You know, this is ordinary medication, very ordinary. And, you know, they're literally killing people. By the way, the numbers of people that would be alive today, we had a normal hydroxychloroquine strategy, you know, is, is, you know, probably 150,000 of the 200. Not probably, it's for sure. 75% of them would be alive. And then we wouldn't be living in fear, which I think is even worse. And, you know, and and then the fact that certain governors basically killed their frail elderly nursing home population. They just killed. Yep, that's right. How how could we not speak up? Yeah. And that's really, I mean, that turned you from a doctor into a whistleblower, right? And now we're we're watching what they're doing. There's a whistleblower right now who works for the the post office in Erie, Pennsylvania. And he's saying, these guys are corrupt. Like what they're doing with the ballots is it's corrupt. So he whistleblows on them and uh, Veritas, you know, Project Veritas gets a statement from him. And then he is literally like he's, is, you know, summarily uh, removed from his job. He's got federal agents at his door. It's dangerous right now to tell the truth. And what happened to you as a result of you becoming a whistleblower? So it's, it is crazy. Uh, two days after the, the summit, I was actually um, called by the medical director of my hospital to say that my services would no longer be needed because I appeared in an embarrassing video. Now, it's worse than that. I, my medical director that I worked at two hospitals really liked me there. And I said, whoa, whoa, slow this down. This is going to blow over. This is, you know, just, just, just wait. You know what I mean? Right. 
And he felt terrible about it. He says, no, no, no. The hospital said that if I don't go away quietly, they're going to fire the entire ER group, meaning my phone. Oh my goodness. It's, it's like, I, I, I just want people to know that it's, it, this is, this cancel culture is real. And just because, you know, it, it, I mean, honestly, I, I, I've been to medical school, law school. I graduated medical school when I was 23. I was a top student all my life. They're trying to say that I'm a quack. I just think people need mm-hmm. to put on notice that this happens to anyone anywhere who disagrees with the conventional wisdom. Right? Yeah, it really does. Well, and that this is why, you know, they, they'll say a conspiracy theory. I, I was thinking, you know, as I started kind of at the beginning of all this thing, you know, I noticed that they... They call you a conspiracy theorist only if you disagree with them. If you agree and they come up with a kind of nutty thing, then you're just a smart person. But otherwise, you're a quack. You're a conspiracy. By the way, I was I was a person, you know, ten minutes earlier that was being applauded every night, going in the ER, you know, taking care of COVID patients, taking care of, you know, if, if Grandpa Fallon broke his hip, you know, I was that person in the blue PPE covered head to toe. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like. They'll change, they'll turn on you on a dime. Appeasement never works. When you see something wrong, you must say something, even if it becomes personally unpleasant for you, because if it's not this week, they'll come after you next week. Well, that's the whole, like, we did this with uh, terrorism, right? We started telling people, if you see something, say something. And people have not, we have, we've not been doing that. And we've left it up to uh, people who are on the front lines and you're on the front lines medically. I'm on the front lines culturally. And I'm telling you what, I mean, the, the threats are real. My family and I, we had to take, you know, I've traveled for a living for forever and ever, 15 years at least. We had to take all the lettering off of our trailers, go completely anonymous wherever we were because I was getting death threats on the road. People were writing in and saying, hey, I saw your, I saw you guys on I-84. I wouldn't leave your kids alone in a rest area if I was you. Stuff like that. And I thought, what is going on in this country? We're watching our freedoms. And I think this is what people need to understand. If It doesn't matter if Dr. Simone Gold can get up there and make a statement. She's going to lose her job, which you did. Uh, people are going to call you insane, which they did. But if if it doesn't, ordinary people are going to have to start doing something. It can't just be Dr. Gold and people like Heidi St. John and people like Pastor Jack Hibbs. What we're trying to do is move people to action, correct? Yes. It's not enough for you to talk or for me to talk. People need to start getting involved. Okay, yes. And it critical, which is what you're saying. Like, should I talk to the Costco manager? The answer is yes. They need to see that it's out there. They, you need to take your business as far away from those people as possible. You need to be educated yourself so that you can feel empowered enough to have those uncomfortable conversations. It's yep. critical. It's critical. Yep. It's absolutely critical. And, and by it, the way, and by the way, you, you have to take health matters into your own hand. I think there's going to be a sea change in medicine. One of the things I did was make hydroxychloroquine available for anybody who wants to buy it. I encourage you to do that. Again, it's on my website. It's a third party. It's not mine. It's a telemedicine company. You do a consult. You get the medicine, they mail it to you, you put it in your cabinet, you forget about it. That's another way to stop living in fear. You're like, okay, if I get it, I have the medicine for it. That's amazing. I did not know. So I'm, I'm, I'm looking at your website right now. It says, do I need hydroxychloroquine, that big red button? Yep, I see it right at the top. So if you guys go to AmericansFrontlineDoctors.com, there's a whole, there's a big red button at the top that says, how can I get hydroxychloroquine, which I'm going to do when this is, everybody should have it in their, in their medicine. We should have it. You should have it. It's ridiculous that they won't let you get it. Uh, and uh, there's, I think, boy, I mean, we're being, it's greed. It's fear. I've never seen anything like it in my life. I believe, and I was, I've been talking about this for months. This is spiritual in nature. We are battling a spirit called fear. And uh, it's amazing to me how quickly we are, we have succumbed to it. 
I hope you guys are enjoying this interview with Dr. Simone Gold, the founder of America's Frontline Doctors. Listen, you guys, it's never been more important than it is right now for you to stand up for truth, to tell the truth. I have taken quite a bit of heat here at the podcast. Several of you write into me and say, you know, why are you talking about the Rona? Why are you talking about why, why, why? This is why. Because uh, our country is literally being destroyed from the inside out. And it will be destroyed through lies. It will be destroyed through disunity. And we have an opportunity right now to stand for truth. Uh, Dr. Gold is going to share the rest of her story tomorrow. I'm going to air the rest of this podcast tomorrow. Also tomorrow, we're going to end the show giving you uh, five ways to recognize propaganda in real time. This is part of Dr. Gold's book. You can find her book, I Do Not Consent, at Amazon. She didn't say this today, and I think hopefully she will tomorrow. But it's very important for you to leave reviews for her book. Share the book, leave reviews. This is an emergency room physician who has now been fired from her job. She does. She no longer has a job. This is a woman who's graduated from Stanford Law, who has a degree in medicine. She's a brilliant mind. And because she's not going along with the mainstream narrative and she recognizes the danger that we're in, she has lost her job. And you guys can support her. You can help her uh, get her book at uh, amazon.com. And please share this podcast with everyone you know. As always, if you guys can leave reviews for the show, it very much helps us. We're trying to get to 10,000 reviews over at um, iTunes. Uh, Facebook and Instagram have greatly reduced my reach. And so this is the way that I, that my voice can get out there right now. And also just know that we are not, uh, I'm not sitting over here wringing my hands in fear about any of this stuff. I feel like I was born just like you guys. I was born for such a time as this. You were born. God knew that you were going to be here right here, right now for such a time as this. And we have an opportunity to secure freedom for future generations to, uh, to talk to our kids about what's going on. Let them see you stand in the gap. Mom and dad, you want to have a, a child that knows how to walk in freedom? Let them watch you walking in freedom. Uh, this medical tyranny that, that we're seeing tomorrow, we're going to talk about Joe Biden's coronavirus task force. You guys, he's put Zeke Emanuel at the top of his coronavirus task force. This is a guy who believes that after the age of 75, you should no longer be able to get medical care. This is like the Dr. Kevorkian of our day, and Joe Biden wants to put him in one of the most tremendous positions of influence in the nation. We need to be in prayer. We need to be in prayer. I continue to pray over the election, uh, over the the lies and the fraud that we see being perpetrated, the alleged, I should say, I don't want to get stripped from my my spot on uh, iTunes, the alleged fraud uh, that's being perpetrated against our nation right now. And we can come against it in prayer. The Bible teaches us that prayer is a weapon. We've never had an opportunity in our lifetime, at least in my lifetime that I can remember, to use the weapon of prayer than we do right now. God is calling uh, us off the bench and onto the battlefield. We love you guys. Uh, Please share this podcast and tomorrow we'll come back and I'll air part two of my interview with Dr. Simone Gold. For more encouragement, visit me online at thebusymom.com. 